WrestlePlug 444 Life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to hashtag get plugged in. The refreshing, empowering moment that we have all wanted from WWE. It's like ordering a, a medium pizza and then turning up with an extra large and a bottle of Coke. You absolute moldy cheese fucking baby bell dairy lead dunker shit. What happens is these fucking people live in this fantasy land. Everyone got their shit in. Everyone got each other over. Everyone looked good and made the industry look great. People need to fucking back the fuck off Ronda Rousey. New to oh. wrestling talent. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, above the age of 18, and if not, get back to bed, cretins. Absolute cretins. Quite one of kids because they're insubordinate shit houses. I know, I used to be a kid once. Welcome back to the Respire Podcast. This is a state of wrestling address where we talk about the week's wrestling topics. There aren't any. It's a fucking boring week, unless you want to talk about how NXT slightly eked out the ratings. But we will cover the Wednesday Night War. We've covered Raw. Have we covered Raw? No, we haven't, actually. We haven't covered Raw. But we covered Impact Wrestling, and let's be honest, that's the most important thing of the week. Who shot Johnny Bravo? Find out soon. I'm Aaron X. Joining me is my illustrious co-host, the Duke of Diabetes. Oh, yes, indeed. The Maple Leaf Magician. Oh, just at this point, I'm pretty sure ten times the promo of Canada's twentieth favorite cleaner at this point in Kenny Omega. He's definitely Canada's favorite cleaner, at least in my eyes. Fuck everybody else who doesn't believe in him. You should believe in this man before you ever believe in Kenny Omega. And like I say, he is also the Oscar-worthy Ontarian. Carl Wilkinson, welcome back to the podcast, brother. Ah, it is always a pleasure. That just that buildup gets me through the week every week. Rem- reminds me that I'm not actually a piece of shit. I'm gonna try and make it longer every week, like Kenny Omega's. My my goal is that we can outlast Kenny Omega and Justin Roberts having a faffing session. Um, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, where should we start? Should we start with the worst show or the best show? I mean, I think oh. we should put our worst foot forward so that way we could end on a good note. So I dynamite like ending on a high, like RVD. Um, NXT, no AEW. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, we'll st- yeah, we'll start with AEW. Fuck it, why not? I'm not editing now. I can't be asked. Uh, so AEW dynamite, uh, mixed bag. It wasn't terrible by any means. Now people know that I'm very honest about AEW. I'm not one of these wrestling fans who's like everything has to be positive. Everything has to be so inclusive. If I don't like everything, then I'll be hurt and make feelings and I'm authentic <laughs> shut the fuck up it's wrestling okay it's you know you can't argue on one but or what it's subjective and some people don't like things okay well some people are entitled to hate things just as much as you're entitled to love them and for me this was such a hit and miss show now once again Wardlow fucking has a world class man oh, I'm really loving this guy I'm really high on him world class match with Hangman and Page of course Hangman and Page goes over in the semi-finals of the number one contendership tournament to crown, of course, the number one contender for the AEW Heavyweight Championship, which is currently held by John Moxley, who will be defending the title against Eddie Kingston at full gear on November the 7th, which is coming up too. And we'll discuss that as well. Um, but a great match. Fantastic match. Uh, on the flip side of things, we also had a semi-final involving, which of course was the main event of the show, 
Pinter L0M, one of my personal favourites, against the man, the myth, the quasi legend, Penny Omega, Sarah Miedo, indeed, sir. Um, I don't know how much you've seen of it. I know you haven't watched uh, AW full. I don't know if you've seen any clips from the Kenny Omega uh, Penta match. I'm just going to get right into that match. So, first of all, Hangman Page versus um, Biggie was great. But I want to talk about Penta and Kenny Omega because I was so pissed off. <laughs> I was like, not just because I'm a big Penta mark, but because this match, right? The end of this match, okay? Now, I expected it to be a lot more competitive than Sonny Kiss getting blown out in 10 seconds. That's fine. But at the end of this match, Pentarail 0M, right? Uh, or Pentagon Junior, however you want to call him, hits a Canadian destroyer on the outside. Okay? Narrowly. Yeah, pretty wild. He then immediately rolls Kenny Omega back in and hits him with a package power driver, which Kenny Omega kicks out of two. This is all in like 15 seconds. Okay. He then, uh, after a bit of counter wrestling, breaks his arm as well, Lucha Underground style. Which oh, like that sure. wicked like arm snap where he just yeah. like has it like this. Just oh yeah. yeah. And about two minutes later, he gets pinned with one a one winged one one winged angel, if you will. Um, I don't have a problem personally if Kenny Omega wins because it's just it is what it is, you know, boys club. Book your friends. That's how it feels. And I, I don't have a problem with it coming down to Hangman Page and Kenny Omega because ultimately that's where the storyline has been leading. That's fine. And I hope, you know, that Kenny Omega is going to fucking kind of get his ego aside a little bit and allow Hangman Page to kind of get the rub here because I feel like the idea of Hangman Page's redemption going full circle and actually winning the title this time around would actually be kind of cool. And that he's very fucking popular and you have to ride the hot hand. But what pissed me off is the this right whoever put this match should be fired. I'm absolutely it beggars belief. Who thinks this is a good idea? It makes Pentagon look so fucking weak. It does, and also the commentary again insulting us, talking to us like we're fucking children. All I ever hear about with WWE, right, and especially people who are anti-WWE or AEW apologists, whatever they may be, and frankly, I don't apologize for either. Either you're good or you're not. And if you're good, I'll say you're good. And if you're shit, I'll say you're shit. I'm not all about this whole, oh, well, everything has to be positive. And I watch AEW because they're they're morally much more, you know, less reprehensible than WWE, which is bollocks, by the way. <laughs> Where there is money, there is corruption. It's as simple as that. And, you know, they're both billionaire owned <laughs> or billionaire invested. Um, what pisses me off is the just the nonsensical booking. It makes Penta look absolutely shit. Why am I supposed to take him serious now? He hit Kenny Omega with three of the most devastating moves in the history of wrestling. One of them on the outside. A Canadian destroyer on the outside. This, you know, you made a kind of semi-joke last week about the Canadian destroyer being a uh, <laughs> transitional move. The worst part is it wasn't joking. Yeah, it's it actually like it that's the thing. It used PD Williams made that move so powerful when he was using it in the early days of TNA, you know, like 2002 to like probably 2009, I think, was when he was really there full time. That was his finisher. I've seen him hit one of those on Michael Elgin at the Destiny show, which was fucking huge, by the way. Yeah, I can imagine. Right. But fucking the fact. Oh, yeah. Just but, saying. The Don't fact that... Fuck you. Michael Owen's great. 
the the fact that this move fucking it's a it's a somersault into a pile driver a move that crippled stone cold steve austin sure it might have been a sit out tombstone but it's still a pile driver the move is the still still the same you're being spiked on your head and neck and yet you could do that on the outside where there's like you know an inch of padding or however mm-hmm. much it is and then you get rolled in the ring hit with a package pile driver he did on ramp play that's even worse that's like steel yeah, and then and then you kick out at two what's he have to do shank you in the liver and then you'll still kick out at 2.5 like i have a problem nxt does have the same problem where mm-hmm. you know it can be a finisher fest and people still kick out at two i love nxt i always have but that doesn't mean they don't have their problems but and aew and nxt both have the problem where they don't make moves like the finishing moves look powerful it's like you have to hit it eight times or you have to hit it from the second rope or you have to do something ridiculously innovative. Then what's the point of having that as your finishing move if it's not going to finish the match? And so Zero M is a better wrestler than Kenny Omega. He's 100%. a better wrestler. He's a better promo. He's a better all-around character, better gimmick. He looks more professional. He works a better style for me. It's much more effective, much more violent. Um Kenny Omega is just a little bit too twinkle toes, you know, just a little bit. It's just too polished, too polished. Um, you know, and that's, that's fine to a certain extent, but not in this position. I don't, like I say, I knew Kenny Omega was going over. I knew this. So, you know, I, I, I didn't care. I'd sort of made peace with that. What pisses me off is you don't need to, in the process, completely burn the credibility of the other wrestlers' maneuvers. Why am I, why, why, what am I going to give a shit about Penta for now? Like, you can't tag with Ray Phoenix at the moment because, you know, unfortunately, Ray Phoenix keeps picking up injuries. That's going to happen when you have a crazy star like that. And, you know, even when they are available to tag together, they don't because AEW has no fucking clue how to book a tag team division. We're about to talk about that. My God. Um, it's it's just really fucking poor. And the really, sh- the really shameful thing about AEW is, and don't get me wrong, the match was great. Of course it was. It was a fantastic match. But what annoys me is we're not that far away from perfection here. Just some little things, you know? So could nobody pipe up and say, right, guys, you know, we know Kenny's going over. So Penta, you know, we like you. You're obviously a very fucking good talent and we'd like to protect you to a certain extent. So for fuck's sake, you know, save all your really ridiculously heavy hitting maneuvers. It's pointless. Not every match has to have every fucking signature move and devastating, crazy finish effect. It doesn't. And this is, like you say, same goes for WWE as well. They can be just as guilty of that. So not an AW thing. But this was a real problem. Because now it's like, great. As a fan, I'm watching this. As a mark, I'm watching this. And I'm thinking, great. Uh, so next time I see Penta, I'm assuming... That he, you know, he hit literally, he threw everything he had at Kenny Omega. This guy who from, let's be honest, if you're a casual fan, I'm sorry, Kenny Omega does not look like a megastar. He doesn't. You know, you, you think, what's this douchey guy coming? He's got like these ridiculously hot stripper looking women who are, I assume, are Jacksonville Jaguars cheerleaders or whatever, and they got brooms. Like, imagine being a casual fan and some, you know, and you think, oh, you know, maybe I haven't watched wrestling in years. Or maybe you're a young person. You sit down and watch this and you think, okay. So we've got women with brooms. We've got 
this guy with long curly hair who apparently is famous for spending a lot of time playing video games, um, who is unbelievably jazz hands at times. And, you know, he then gets in the ring and this masked guy who looks really fucking sick, really badass, hits him with these devastating violent manoeuvres and he just pretty much powers right through all of them, hits him with one move and finishes him off. From a casual perspective, that's not a fantastic look. From a continuity perspective, and boy, am I a stickler for that, for anyone who has been listening to our podcast, I like continuity and I like logic. It doesn't always have to be that strict, but I want some appreciation of what's going on here. From a continuity aspect, I'm not expecting Penta now to be a credible singles wrestler in any book. And people will say, well, he's part of a tag team. We're talking about a very famous guy here. Also, the fact that the AAA mega championship was just kind of used as a prop. You know, Kenny Omega comes out, he's got around his waist, takes his shirt off, and he's like, oh, look, remember, I beat your buddy Ray Phoenix for this. Really good storytelling perspective. However, we didn't fucking know about that at all until commentary mentions it as a flippant passing moment during this actual match. If that's important, why is that not relayed to the audience beforehand? You know, have you ever read a book? Like, when you read a book and there are plot devices okay and things of that nature and they have things that involve you know storylines equilibrium based facts that come from the earlier standpoint of the story and you are reading the book they don't just go yeah um at the pinnacle point where he got murdered oh yeah just so you know it was with the knife that he was carrying around for the rest of the like no like it's you've got to educate your audience properly don't treat them like they're five can we just admit that AEW's commentary is fucking shit? Let's say it's uh, start. <laughs> it's trash. Excalibur and Taz are brilliant on AEW Dark. JR is too old. Go away. Tony Schiavone clearly doesn't give a shit. He's just there to suck off Cody. That's great. Don't care. By the way, I'm Cody's biggest fan. He is phenomenal. I'm, I'm just... I'm losing a lot of my spirit for AEW. And all the, you know, I have friends who watch AEW, who love AEW. They're apologists, so to speak. And they're probably going to fucking hate this video. They'll probably watch like the first five minutes and go, oh, fuck you guys. And I'll be like, well, that's fine. But do you know what? You are not immune from criticism. And you can't tell me, as a wrestling fan, that that doesn't hurt the credibility of your roster. And in particular, at this point, Penta, and it's going to happen with other people too, and it will continue to happen because, do you know what, the one thing I will say about NXT is, yeah, sure, they'll probably do exactly the same thing quite a bit, but the difference is that the person who, you know, I have faith that NXT will still put that person in a prominent position and build them up the right way. The difference is that NXT, I'm sorry, but NXT has far more credible and exciting storytelling than AEW could ever hope for. And that brings me very nicely to our tag team title match, which will be happening at full gear. So in the entire build-up to this, the Young Pucks have been shitty heels, right? They've been kicking people and being arseholes. Last week, our dastardly heels, the Revival, tried to break Matt Jackson's leg. So this week, we have a sit-down interview, right? On one side, you've got Excalibur sat there with the Young Bucks, okay? On the other side, in a different satellite link, which just makes it embarrassing and stupid to look at. Huh? 
You know they're just in the same room anyway, just like oh, yeah, no two question. separate cameras. No yeah, no question. Probably budgets and all that shit. You know, and on the other side, you've got Tully and FTR, who um, <laughs> it's <laughs> the only thing I liked about this, right? So Excalibur, he's like, oh, you know, I've um, I've known you guys for a long time, you know, PWG, buddy. And at one point, he, um, he, he, he says something. I can't remember what he says. And FTR, uh, one of them just turns around and goes, hey, ultimately, the only reason you're here it's because they got you a job, Excalibur. So be quiet, yeah. Like, you know, he just rinses them. Like, brilliant, brilliant stuff. But, you know, he just flippantly kind of makes a, a sly remark. Like, as if to say, like, oh, you know, some people would say that um, you kind of deserve this for your behaviour in the build-up to this match. What, so we're just going to completely ignore a month, two months of disgraceful heel behaviour and pass it off as, ooh, they've had a bit of an attitude adjustment because they're feeling a bit under the weather. What fucking dog shit storytelling. What fucking garbage. No effort whatsoever. And this build-up has been fucking crap. Nobody wants to say it, right, because it's unpopular, because they're scared of backlash or criticism on social media, which I don't care about. This is the shittest build to a tag team title match I've seen in recent memory for what is supposed to be the dream match. You know what? FTR versus Young Bucks is not a dream match. It might be to all the silly little internet smarts who live in their fucking basement. But it's, it's not for me, and it hasn't been built like one, so why do I care? And all of a sudden, I'm supposed to have sympathy for the young bucks, and one of them whose, you know, leg is mangled from last week because that was a dastardly attack. Yeah, it's heel versus heel. That's what we're being told, and now they're just insulting the audience's intelligence by saying, actually, the young bucks, even though, you know, they're putting up on, um, so the stipulation is going to be if the young bucks don't win, they'll never get a tag team title shot. Hmm. That sounds familiar. At least Cody built the fucking shit out of his title run, you know, and the stipulation going into his match with Chris Jericho. That meant something. He had the amazing moving part of MJF as well. This is just such miserable, poor storytelling. Do you know what really pisses me off about it? You've got one of the best tag teams in the modern era's history of wrestling in the FDR, and they're being dragged down to their level to compete with this terrible storytelling. And people can say, oh, FTR, you know, they were so, you know, they were so badly used and now they're free in AEW. But ultimately, at least when they're in WWE, they were given the proper platform and the majority of the time, decent storytelling to a certain perspective. It was sure as hell a lot better than this. The tag team title reign doesn't mean much to me. I'm sick of the Young Bucks being on my screen every week. And now all of a sudden the narrative is, this is our last chance. We've got to win. We've got to do this. We are the Young Bucks. We've got to win because if we don't, we're, we're going to try and overcome the odds. What do you mean overcome the odds? You're the dickheads with all the money. You were super kicking referees. You were super kicking Tony Schiavone and breaking his phone. You were being arseholes. You super kicked a cameraman. You super kicked Officer Bar Brady backstage. <laughs> what fucking happened to that? Oh, don't worry about that. This is, this is something different. Fuck you. Give me some continuity. Tell me my fucking stuff. Don't, don't fucking insult me as an audience member. You expect me to pay for this, right? Whether it be $5 a month or whatever to watch AEW Dynamite Live, you expect me to stay up to a ridiculous hour to watch this shit and then be fucking basically insulted and lied to because your creative is fucking garbage. Fuck you, Tony. Fuck you. Don't fucking ask people for money if you're going to insult their intelligence like this. You had the opportunity from the get-go to build this as one of the all-time great clashes. I don't even like the Young Bucks, right? I think they're massively overrated, but I see potential and money in this. I don't right now. What a fucking shit build. Can you imagine? This is supposed to be 
the modern day tag team equivalent of, you know, the Hardys versus the Dudleys versus Edge and Christian. This is supposed to be the equivalent of Austin versus Rock. It's supposed to be that magnitude. The two tag teams you never thought would meet anyone, meet each other. You know, the traditional glorious powerhouses of FTR against the modern, you know, fucking all this bollocks about, oh, yeah, we kicked indoors and we completely recreated tag team wrestling. No, you fucking didn't. There are tag teams that were doing it well before you. Literally, all you are a knockoff Hardy Boys. Tech Hardy Boys. Sorry. Sorry to break it to you. You're not fucking changing. You know, killing the business. Not really. I mean, right now, yeah, from a creative standpoint, absolutely you are. The joke. Who writes this shit? A five-year-old? Seriously, the Reader's Digest has better content than this. It's fucking embarrassing. It's supposed to be a huge match. It feels like a bunch of scrubs against a highly capable... You know, I'm watching this as an FTR fan. I love FTR. I'm watching this and I'm thinking, I don't care about FTR because of what you're doing. That's a big fucking problem. I don't care about this, man. The thing uh, that scares me the most know. is that the Bucks could win. I don't care about the Young Bucks. I remember when I first started watching New Japan and I didn't know who they were, people were like, oh, you got to watch these guys. I'm like, okay, they're cool, I guess, but I still don't really care. You know, they I watched a, a bit. draw out there either. People need to no. stop hanging on to that as well and using that as an excuse. All the elite were a massive draw in Japan. No, Kenny Omega was. Absolutely. The rest of them, absolutely not. Nobody cared. No, I feel like they definitely uh, sailed on his coattails for a while. Yeah. But, you know, I, I didn't hate them. But, I mean, I do now. I mean, yeah, there, there are, you know, whatever administrative position they have backstage. I don't know exactly what it is, but it doesn't matter. They do have, you know, authoritative role backstage so when you go oh no this is my last chance if we don't win we're never going to challenge for the titles again not only could i honestly i i'm going to predict them they're going to win i don't like it but i feel that they're going to just so they can swing their big elite dicks around they're going to destroy ftr who to be fair i think they're doing what they can but they're given shit to work with. They're giving out, sorry, given absolutely nothing to work with. And this sit down interview, apparently just total shit. You know, the whole weenie thing, fucking retarded. They have Tully, which is great. They've got the championships, which is, you know, I thought that was going to be great when they first came in. Mm-hmm. And now we have the, you know, like you said, like, you know, rock Austin level rivalry. And, they're spunking it after what? FTR has been in the company for two months? Like three months, however long it's been? This is something, these two teams should not have had any contact for like a year. Build it. You know, have, you know, sure, you could have a little teasing moment, you know, like uh, Money in the Bank 2018 when Nakamura and AJ had that little stare down. You could tease stuff like that. That would have been brilliant. And yeah, that requires little... storytelling. That requires intelligence, mate. And whoever exactly. creative can't do that because they're clearly fucking mentally ill. Exactly. That's the problem. They're... We're going to keep saying it, guys, but this is built like <laughs> this is built. This is a house built with no foundation to stand on. Like, it's going to happen. We're all going to go, yeah, that happened. That's it. No Even reaction. Even if the match is amazing, it doesn't mean anything. That's the really big, sad, sad part about this. And I don't think it will be. 
they built up Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus FTR like it was going to end. Was it good? Yeah, absolutely. Was it five star? Absolutely not. Sorry, just wasn't. You know. And the the problem is that AEW's fan base. I hate to have got a fan base because I like AEW. I fucking spent damn near two grand to get to Washington to see the first ever Dynamite. So don't tell me that I'm not passionate about liking AEW and wanting them to do well because I do. I like viable alternatives. But I honestly, right, how anyone can tell me this show is on a par with what Impact is doing right now is beyond me, and they're probably doing it on a fucking minute fraction of a budget of what AEW has available to them. It actually is mind-blowing to me. It really is. It pisses me off. And a lot of it is down to the fact that their fan base is just as fucking toxic as the WWE one, just as toxic as the IWC. Their fan base are so fucking brutally aggressive, particularly as it tends to social media, because they cannot comprehend the idea of being shit or having critiques, because ultimately, if you support AEW, you're of the opinion that you are untouchable. And people are like, oh, well, they've done pretty well for a company that's only been going about a year. Absolutely. Nobody's denying that. But some of the storytelling here is fucked so miserably bad and for a company that has billions at its disposal that has the high power and the tv position as a tnt is not a small platform it is one of the bigger ones in the western world for the love of christ and they are fucking frankly you know what it, it almost feels like they are basically throat fucking tony khan and he's just taking it like a slut because ultimately, this is insulting to anyone who likes, you know, it, I, I get it, right? People are like, oh, wrestling's supposed to be fun. Yes. Not all the fucking time is it meant to be stupid and silly and hilarious, though. I want my serious shit. This is not serious. Do not tell me, right? WWE's got Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso right now. In one of the most violent conflicts that you could ever see from family members it almost it damn near feels real it's so well done two people are so committed on the flip side you know you've got the young bucks versus ftr doing shoddy little interviews and not knowing whether they're heels or not fucking make up your mind whether you're a heel as well i've heard people in aew saying oh well there's, there's no such thing as heels and faces anymore yes there fucking is twat you know why people love the avengers because they want the heroes to prevail, okay? And that's what, Endgame was the highest grossing film in the history of the world ever. <laughs> and what is the premise of Endgame? The heroes saving the world from the bad guy. It's really that fucking simple at times. And AEW's trying to be fucking clever. They're trying to insult our intelligence. And frankly, I've had enough of it. It pisses me off. Hot garbage. Um, did you know Serena Deeb has captured the uh, NWA Women's Championship now? Took it off of Thunder Rosa on the show. I did know that. Yeah. And I saw on uh, some dirt sheets or whatever that she's apparently got uh, Thunder Rosa this, has interest from both WWE and AEW. I think, honestly, given the choice, go to WWE Thunder Rosa. They will treat you so much better because they actually give a shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. But- Oh, AEW fans make me fucking laugh. They're out here saying, oh my God, Fonda Rosa has to go to AEW because she's had a taste of what it's like and it's clearly better. Like, if you think AEW is better at booking women than any other company in the world, you are literally retarded, okay? I'm telling you right now, I will say it to your face. I will laugh in your face. If you honestly think 
AEW gives even a slight shit about women's wrestling on the same level, uh, especially when you consider the show that ran opposite to this, Halloween Havoc, which was main evented, by the way, by two of the best women's workers in the world right now. Um, go fuck yourself. Oh, by the way, it also had another women's match on the card, not to mention build for women's rivalries. Like, just, it's night and day is what it is. It's night and day. And, you know, Impact, they're bringing back Impact Knockout Tag Team Championships, which means that along with their fantastic knockout title, knockouts title, you know, Women's Championship, you're going to have a tag team division as well, which means there's going to be more onus, more time given to the women on a two-hour broadcast. And only one two-hour broadcast they have every week. AEW hasn't got a leg to stand on. And I do not want to see Thunder Rosa, one of the premier, most, she's, she's fucking hot. She's fucking great. She's she's marvelous. She's she's damn near fantastic. I love her. I think she has the potential to be a mega star, but not in AW. No chance. And it's a shame because Serena D wrestled um, Layla Kirsch or Layla Hirsch, Kayla Hirsch, Kayla Kirsch. Uh, this Russian lady uh, who was an amateur wrestler apparently, and it was fantastic actually. Really, really like the uh, the look of this young lady. Very powerful. Um, and obviously Serena Deeb is just fucking awesome, you know, she's just a car above. But again, wasted. Oh, where was the car Rashida? Oh, she got to... Oh, the- oh, oh. Dark. She was on fucking... Their champion is on Dark. They've got the NWA Women's Champion on their show because they realise that if they don't cater to her, she'll fucking take her belt elsewhere. What the fuck are you doing with your women's division, AEW? What women's know, division? Last week was a good show, okay? The, the booking of the main event was trash, but overall, last week was a fantastic show. This week, again, started well. Wardlow, right? Wardlow versus Hammer Page was fucking fantastic. Wardlow is fastly becoming one of their biggest stars. He is fantastic. He, what an in-ring worker. And Page got a magnificent match out of him. Two world-class wrestlers. And if you had three or four matches like that every week, you would have no problem. The simplest and most, you know, it was so simple. Hangman Page, your plucky, you know, underneath babyface. He's your version of Sting, so to speak. He's finally come good. He's finally come around to everybody, even the people who were not keen on the gimmick like me. And on the flip side, this monster, Wardlow, this evil bastard, you know, this this heavy, this henchman, this brainless muscle man who's just going to do MJF's bidding. It's so fucking easy. It's so easy, but no, you've got to do all this convoluted shit. And while you're at it, you've got to insult. I'm sorry, but if you honestly are a woman or passionate about women's wrestling and you think that this is the place to watch women's wrestling, you're a fucking moron and you are a fucking insult to women's wrestling because they are insulting my intelligence and they are insulting their own fucking talent. How many women do they have at their disposal that could be used? That could fill up some time on this show. Nah, that's all right. We'll have MJF and Chris Jericho take questions. That segment was fun. It was amusing to a certain extent, but it went on for like 15, 20 minutes. It doesn't need to fill up that much time. Penta and Kenny Omega didn't, you know, I actually was surprised that they only got something like 15, 20 minutes, but ultimately, for fuck's sake, shave some time elsewhere and make more fucking time for your women. It's bullshit. Your women's champion can't find her way onto the main show. I'd love to see a statistic of how many times Hikaru Shida has wrestled against how many times she's been either at ringside doing nothing or in some throwaway crappy promo segment like she was this week. Which is literally, right? Here's the build. 
for the Women's Championship match at full gear right now. This week, um, <laughs> Officer Barbara interviews Hikaru Shida and says, huh, Nyla Rose won't wrestle anybody until she gets her title shot against you because she's number one contender. Hikaru Shida grabs the mic and says, I'll see you at full gear. That's your build for the Women's Championship. That's it. <sighs> Fuck you. Fuck you, Tony Khan. You stupid, scrawny little prick. Fuck you. You've got no clue. You've got no respect for women's wrestling, which, by the way, is one of the hottest and most exciting properties in all of wrestling. Do you know why I'm fucking angry? Because I love women's wrestling, because I want it to succeed. Do not fucking sit there as an AEW fan or a fucking apologist and have the nerve to message me or give me shit on social media because I care about women's wrestling a hell of a lot more than you fucking idiots do. Clearly I do. This show is just, it's getting beyond unbearable for me. I don't mind shows making mistakes. I don't mind if every show isn't world class. But when you consistently make the same mistakes and have no interest in rectifying them and insulting the audience's intelligence like you do, and when half your commentary team doesn't give a fuck, and when the fucking, the fuck boys from being the elite and their terrible YouTube show and their stupid hokey, oh, we're all friends, <laughs> when that starts taking everything over, You've got so many problems here and you clearly don't want to fix them because you genuinely think this is fantastic. And by the way, for the few people who do give a shit about the ratings, NXT won. I'm seeing some scary parallels between AEW right now and both WCW circa 2000, 2001, where it's just kind of all shit. But Tony Collins reminded me a lot of Dixie Carter right now. Two people that knew Jack that know Jack shit Lost about wrestling themselves. using daddy's money to get a wrestling company. With the reason TNA or sorry, the reason Impact is not as popular now, even though it's so fucking good, is because people just think back to how bad it used to be about ten years ago, five, ten years ago. Because Dixie Carter didn't know what she was doing. She ran that place into the fucking ground until she finally sold it to Anthem. And then they started, you know, building up new stars, bringing back old faces, doing everything right. You know, getting Scott Demore and Don Callis on the administrative side. People who know what they're fucking doing. Exactly. Spend their lives in the business. I'm so, do you know what pisses me off? There's like, do you know what? If you like Jim Cornette, you don't like Jim Cornette. I don't really give a shit. But the reality is, the reason that people pay attention to Jim Cornette is because he gave his life to the wrestling business and knows more about the wrestling business than most people have forgotten. That's why he's fucking so passionate. And that's why, and yeah, he says some inflammatory shit, whatever. But ultimately, people like Scott Demore, Don Callis, you know, these people matter. Tony Khan doesn't know the first thing about the wrestling business and it fucking shows in the way this company is run. And ultimately, he has given the reins and most of the production to, you know, the elite guys who are marks for themselves more so than they are for the history and the continuity of this business consulting all he wants is to give the people what they want if you give everybody what they want no one's going to be happy because that's just not how it works not everybody wants the same thing you might have you know 199 people who want this thing but that you know one person won't so that you have to try and cater to that one. It's You can never find that balance because 
wrestling, like most art forms, is completely subjective. Probably one of the most subjective things in the world. And you just, you can't please everyone. And that's all this scrawny little Mark wants to do. I, I get it. You know, you got a wrestling company. You want to, you know, be try and be cool. And like, yeah, I'm going to be the next Vince McMahon. Sorry. There's only ever going to be one Vince McMahon. I don't care what anyone says. The man might be an old archaic dinosaur who's completely out of touch, but he did things for wrestling that I don't think anyone could have done before him and that no one will be able to do after him. He is such a fascinating character who, you know, monopolized the wrestling business, kind of made it into what it is today. And everyone's just tried to copy it from there. And Tony Khan has been a miserable failure. He's just a mark for himself. He wants to be one of the boys, obviously. He wants to show off. Oh, look at me. I'm one of the boys. Again, we had Orange Cassidy versus Cody this week. Match was fine. Although, frankly, the booking for it was atrocious. By the way, Orange Cassidy, right? It takes a dragon screw, right? In the middle of the match, right? It takes a dragon screw in the rope. It's one of the most devastating moves. Uh, Immediate. Then doesn't sell it about 10 seconds later. Starts running around doing topes. They're like, fuck you. Fuck you. Like, that's the kind of stuff which separates you from a star. You know, that just wouldn't happen with a big star. Cody is a much bigger star. Why he's fucking around with this bullshit is beyond me. You know, and everyone's like, oh, this is great. This is so entertaining. The Lumberjack stuff was ridiculous. It was over the top. Best friends getting involved. By the way, best friends immediately take a cheap shot at Cody Rhodes right at the beginning of the match. These are guys who are supposed to be faces. Like, it's just, again, stupid, tacky embarrassing amateur booking and some of these people right are mega stars miro can be a mega star trent i believe it can be a massive star you know there's so many people in this company who can do so many great things but what are we getting from miro right him and kip sabian go out to best friends give them some halloween candy or whatever it might be and then take a cheap shot at them and beat them up in their own locker room and then celebrate over their arcade cabinet, which, by the way, very <laughs> people with an eagle eye noticed that this arcade cabinet wasn't even plugged in when it was destroyed during that segment on AEW. You have Miro, genuinely one of the most exciting and internationally acclaimed posses in all of wrestling, right? Hot property, fantastic in WWE, was undefeated for a long time, fucking had a monstrous matchup with John Cena. For so this is a man who came out at WrestleMania on a fucking tank, okay? And what's he doing in AEW? He's in a war with Trent and Buck Taylor over an arcade cabinet. Sorry, no content. No content. This is why WWE fans, who can be just as fucking annoying, no question, um, this is why they would rather stay with NXT. Can you imagine tuning in to AEW and thinking, do you know what? Because you can watch both. You can. And we do. We are watching both. More and more, I'm thinking, I'm not going to bother talking about AW on the show anymore. It's not worth my time. Why should I fucking talk about the fact that you can't fucking find a decent place for Mirror? He should have come in and immediately be a monster, a credible threat for the world title. Instead, he comes in. I like Kip Sabian, right? Big fan. And I know my boy Aaron Cruz loves Kip Sabian as well. I like him. And I love Penelope Ford. I think they're really fun. Very entertaining. But for fuck's sake, this is what you've got for Miro. Fuck off. 
embarrassing. Look at it. It's so anticlimactic because, you know, like you say, he was such a big star in, in WWE. Whether or not they treated him poorly is, I'm pretty sure, undisputed. They did. But you're right. He should have come in not as a best man, not as, like, the bro to some dude. He should have come in and kicked Moxley's head off. Just put him right in because Moxley's faced what? He's faced Archer twice. He faced Brody Lee. He like Moxley can wrestle the bigger guys. I think he gets, you know, semi decent matches out of the bigger guys because, you know, it's not like he's a mat technician. So just another big guy he can, that can brawl. I think he can throw down really well. And him and Rusev have had matchups before. I'm sure of it. I can't name one specifically, but I'm sure they've tangled at some point. So these two could have a hell of a match at full gear. You know, I'm, we're getting Eddie Kingston, who, like I said last week, I knew nothing about till he showed up on Dynamite. But I am in love with this man. I am in love with this man. I think, oh, I think Eddie absolutely. I think he's so far ahead of everyone else. It's actually a bit embarrassing. How, if you're Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks or even Cody at this point, like how you can honestly show your face when Eddie Kingston is doing what he's doing on this show is beyond me. He is making you all look so shit by comparison. Seriously, Eddie Kingston, at this point, give him the keys to the fucking car and let him drive as far as he needs to go with this company. Because, frankly, he's right now feels like your only fucking star. And the thing that scares me is he's probably going to lose. Yeah. He had a good match with Matt Sydal, but good match. I enjoyed that. Because yeah, I, I feel like we're just going to build up because, you know, we all know now the finals of the number one contenders tournament is Omega and Page. Yeah. Omega's it's probably going to win. It's coming all full circle in it from double yeah. or whenever it was. I mean, I don't think they're able to top that death match they had because I'm pretty sure AEW got fined or something for it, didn't yeah, they? Like, like it was just, fine. yeah, just because it was so fucking messy. Yeah. And now, we're going to get it again. It's probably just going to be like some sort of regular wrestling match, which the match will be fine, but Kenny's probably going to win that too. He hasn't been in the main event since the company started. And now a little over a year later, they're probably going to go, well, we might as well give the guy the belt. And I'm like, well, the fuck do I care now? I like Kenny Omega. I do. But we've you've said it a hundred times. He's boring on the mic. His matches, they seem to follow the same formula where, you know, do a whole bunch of cool flippy stuff. Kick out of all these high-impact moves. Hey, your move, that's probably the most protected thing in the entire fucking wrestling world. So disingenuous as well. He's so, like, he is so terrible. Oh, he's such terrible. a prick. He's so terrible at being a heel. It's actually laughable. If someone who looked like him walked past me in the streets and he was doing this whole, like, you know, the way he sort of goes, and he's waving his fingers around. I'd fucking laugh in his face. What an embarrassment. Look at what Eddie Kingston does right every week. Look at even John Moxley, who is on fire against Eddie Kingston. He's clearly motivated when he's wrestling him. Look at Lance Archer. Look at Jake Roberts. Now look at Kenny Omega. Pathetic by comparison. Eddie Kingston literally has better promos when he has a shit in the morning. Kenny Omega is a fucking terrible character, but nobody wants to admit that because he went fucking, what, two hours with a card. That's great. Those matches were world-class. We covered those matches. We had a great time watching those matches because in NJPW, although they have great storytelling, and I say this every fucking week, they are predominantly an athletic wrestling-based 
platform and Kenny Omega thrived in that. And let's be honest, he was opposite Okada, one of the best in-ring workers of all time, frankly, at this point. I'm sorry, Kenny Omega is so overrated. He's actually uncomfortable at this point. And do you know what? If you go back and listen to the beginning of this podcast, I was swept up in it too. I used to think he was fucking fantastic. But ever since he's made the jump to North America, let's just be honest, he can't cut it as a star. And if I'm WWE, do you know what? I don't want him in WWE anymore. Why do I want him in WWE? Do you know, here's here's something already upset you lot. Roman Reigns is a much better fucking wrestler and a much better character than Kenny Omega is. Much better. He Ooh, should, that's gonna oh, Kenny Omega on. shouldn't last five minutes against Roman Reigns. Embarrassing. No, I could agree with that. Like, Roman, like, I've, we're recording uh, on a Friday night. I've got SmackDown on in the background, so I'm sure you've seen me look up every once in a while. The show started with a, a promo between Roman and Jay, which I couldn't completely hear, but I didn't need to hear because I could just look up and, like, the emotion. Like, I just, I could feel it. Kenny Omega is not capable of that. The only reason the Golden Lovers got so over when they got back together is because Kota Ibushi, I think, was, yeah, is a much more charismatic guy. Would that be over in America? No. I don't think that angle. No, that angle would not no. hit well with the North American audience. No. I don't a think main, it would. A mainstream North American audience would not give two shits, right? And the thing is, right, all the people who argue for it, they're the people who are already marks. What you forget is wrestling shouldn't be catering towards us, the people who are going to watch every week because we love wrestling. It should be catering towards people who are fucking on the fence. They've got our money. They've got our attention. You don't gain fans. You don't. There's a reason why AEW, every goddamn week, it's what, 700, 800,000 if you're lucky. Once in literally a blue moon, they might get to a million. I think they've only done that two or three times. Mm-hmm. It always stays around the same. <clears throat> and the excuses from their fans are always like, yeah, well, it's a different era. You know, it's not about... I'm sorry. The reason that people watched wrestling in their millions and millions is because it was the most captivating and exciting TV going. Everybody loved it, and it was relatable to the current world. Right now, if you sit down and watch this product, especially, and any wrestling, to be fair, but particularly this product, if you sat this down with, like, if you get get someone right who doesn't even watch wrestling, this is my challenge to anyone listening. Get somebody who doesn't watch wrestling, Put them in front of AEW for now. Tell me what their reaction to it is. I guarantee you the majority of them will be like, what the fuck is this shit? What are you watching this crap for? This is why people don't take wrestling seriously. Because ultimately, when they do sit down and watch it, they're seeing nonsense like this. Garbage. There's nothing wrong with hokey shit. There's nothing wrong with funny stuff. There's nothing wrong with crazy stuff. We saw that at Halloween Havoc with that ridiculous horror match. Boy, it was great fun. Because it's in the right place. It's not about not having fun. It's about making sure the fun is in the right place. Our truth, Drew Gulak, they're not charging across the main event. They're not fucking getting involved in high-profile IC title lumberjack matches. Case in point this week, the guy with who puts his hands in his pockets, who hails from wherever and weighs whatever, he's wrestling for your second biggest title. He's wrestling a guy like Cody. That's the big problem here. It's, do you know what? The only reason I'm watching next week is because Pac is back, apparently. Or he's going to cut a promo at least. He's probably just sending in a promo. He could have been sending in promos every week and it would have saved the show a lot of hassle. 
I, I feel sorry for, I, I really want Pat to just leave. I, I, I really do. I don't want to see, he's my favourite wrestler. I think Pac is the best wrestler in the world when he's able to work every single week. I do not want to see him hissing about in this garden. I do not want to see someone of his quality and his work ethic and his work rate having to lower himself <laughs> to this kind of shit. I do not want to see it. I want to see him achieve great things. I want him to be renowned as one of the best in the world. Instead, he's going to have to cater to all the fucking toolboxes from being the elite. It's garbage. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's talk about NXT because that was good. Yeah, th- 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 this is fun, but like, yeah, let's just move on for that. I think I had something about Pac, just I maybe not back WWE, but I don't want to see him wrestle Kenny Omega again. I don't. I'm sorry. I've seen it enough. He deserves better. Now, talking about better. Him, or let him fucking go and do something decent with his life. Is Hell, he, Eddie Kingston versus Pac, or Pac joining Eddie Kingston and then finally getting to the top of the mountain, something along those lines. But for fuck's sake, keep him the fuck away from the elite. They are. They, do you know what? Who, do you know who's cancerous to wrestling? The elite. Oh, 100%. Oh, I'm sick and tired of people sucking their dicks. The elite suck. They fucking suck. Okay? They ruined Bullet Club which was a hot fucking property. You know what the elite are? They're basically all those fucking extra marks that joined the NWO and made it fucking a watered-down garbage product. That's what they are. Marks for themselves. They're not interested. You know why you have killing the business on your T-shirt, Young Bucks? Because you can't build the business. That's why. You can make a lot of money for yourself. Good for you. But ultimately, you're not making loads of money for everyone else. You're not. You're just not. Don't fucking lie to us. Don't try and pretend you're the best. You're not even close. You're not even top five tag team in your own goddamn company. What? Halloween Havoc, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about something good. Well, we had some pumpkins. No party. And I got my pumpkin. I was happy. As soon as I got my pumpkin, I knew I was going to have a good time. And then, oh, this show started with actual superstars. Um, What? This show started with Damien Priest specimen versus Johnny Gargano, one of My the boy. best workers in the world. That's how Halloween Havoc started, and ultimately AEW side reasonably well and then just tailed off. <laughs> but this show, the aesthetics, everything about it was fantastic. I was gushing about NXT last week. It's so good. And this Capital uh, Arena... You the know, Capital the- Wrestling <laughs> Center, I believe. It's fucking amazing. It's so good. I reiterate, this should have been Raw Underground. This is What's so wrong? good. The cage, the plexiglass, the fans, the wrestlers, everyone's banging on the walls. There's this vibrant, almost rabid atmosphere in there. And there's fuck all people in there by comparison to like AEW. It's fucking rabid in there. It's so rabid. And then on the flip side as well, you know, you've still got the fucking board up as well. You've got commentators that are engaged and care about the goddamn product. You have Tommaso Ciampa cutting promos. You have fucking, oh, it's just so much better. It's not even fucking close at this point. And I don't enjoy engaging in the whole hyperbole. I don't enjoy these, I don't enjoy these buzz topics on social media, you know, where people are like, NXT over fucking AEW, blah, blah, blah. Because I can watch both, so I don't have to care about comparisons. But if you're going to draw a comparison, there isn't one. (laughs) 
it just isn't. Johnny Gargano, courtesy of an individual dressed as uh, the Scream guy, <laughs> um, captures the North American Championship from Damian Priest after twatting him with a tombstone. <laughs> Not that tombstone. <laughs> and he goes flying off the stage. And yeah, this was physical, violent, um, a great match. Damien Priest kicks are terrifying. Like every time he unleashes, especially on someone of Johnny Gargano's like, oh God, he's going to die. Great stuff. A little bit disappointed that Damien Priest has been derailed this early into his reign. Um, particularly as we're not getting the full Gargano experience right now. So Gargano capturing the North American Championship and becoming the first man to do so for a second time is good. But at the same time, uh, from a business standpoint, I, 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 maybe someone's caught Damian Priest and thought that guy needs to be on the main roster rapido. And I'd be very happy to see Damian Priest on Raw. God forbid if he gets Boom Retribution, then I'd be pissed off. But um, I, uh, I'm a little bit disappointed that he had his legs cut off this early into his run. I don't think it'll damage him too much. We're obviously going to probably going to get a rematch. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, he lost to Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano is fucking amazing. So it's not too bad. It would be like, you know, AJ Styles knocking off, you know, Sami Zayn for the IC title. Maybe not necessarily make too much sense from a long-term standpoint. But ultimately, it's still fucking one of the best wrestlers in the world. <laughs> so, you know, good stuff. You must have popped your nuts off. Because obviously, you know, like you say, Johnny's your boy. I've, I've loved Johnny Gargano forever. I loved DIY. I loved the story with Champa and this little, I mean, I, I, I didn't think I could love him anymore until last week when we saw him and Candace trading on how to spin a wheel and he just gets mad. He's like, I can't control it. It's a wheel. I'm like, that's it. He was I'm, screaming at the giant wheel during this match as well. He's like, I, I've had enough of you. <laughs> yelling at this giant wheel is just—it's really well done. I really like it. Like, I, I'm in love with this man. I, I think he is brilliant. Oh, yeah. You've already said it. He's one of the best in-ring workers in WWE right now, and probably the world. So losing to losing to Johnny Gargano in Damian Priest's case, that doesn't hurt him at all, because it's Johnny fucking Gargano. He is NXT. He's Mr. Takeover. I mean, sure, this wasn't... Do, though, doesn't it? The one thing I will say is, where does Priest go from here? I, that, it does definitely put him in a tricky spot. Hopefully he gets the rematch. I think that would be pretty cool. They've already had two, though. So I guess you kind of maybe need the rubber match. Yeah. So maybe Johnny just wanted just to, just to do it. But at the same time, that I think would devalue the title. And I think the North American title has been great. I think it's had consistently some of the best matches on every card that it's on, just because of who's been who's it's been the fighting best over it. Title in the world. Oh yeah, absolutely it is. Like the Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, I, said it. I fucking said it. Yeah, the IC title. Like Sami Zayn's got it. I mean, that's cool, but it's a couple years too late for me. And I, this is coming from someone who loves Sami Zayn. The U.S. Championship. I don't even remember who the U.S. champion is right now. That's, that's how. That's uh, how. Bobby Lashley. Okay. Oh, I should remember that because he is in the hurt business, and I do very much like the hurt business. But at massively the same time, under, massively underrated. Bobby. But at the same time, because the championship is hasn't really mattered, I forgot, and that's terrible. Like, um, you know, Cody TNT champion, cool. Faced Orange Cassidy again. Don't care. So I mean, you have 
this mid-card title, mid title, excuse me, and NXT having consistently good matches, having it, it always matters. That's the thing. They're building it up. And let's not forget the, the six-man ladder match to introduce this title got five stars. I know it's fucking Meltzer, blah, blah, stars, blah, blah. That but, match had Lars Sullivan in it. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. Yeah, five stars and five boys. But anyway. Uh, so <laughs> I thought I was on I thought I was on one tonight. <laughs> no, but I just I love this. This title has been I, I would almost put it on par in importance with the NXT championship. They're I would I'm not gonna call them interchangeable, but they are like this close. They're so close in importance to each other that it's just it's fantastic to watch. And on top of that, it's a fucking gorgeous title belt. I love the North American title. Yeah, it is pretty and it looks uh, unique, which is, you know, a lot of their belts are fucking trash and interchangeable from a aesthetic standpoint. And this one doesn't. Looks great. Love that belt. Love that leather strap as well. Beautiful. Um, yeah, fantastic stuff. We got a surprise return and then an immediate heel turn as well. Uh, Pat McAfee comes out and cuts a blistering heel promo, by the way. Uh, Pat McAfee is a man who has had one professional wrestling match and yet can cut a better promo than anybody in AEW other than maybe Eddie Kingston and a couple of other guys. There, right there, speaks volumes about what it's about. This is a man who clearly is very passionate, trained by Rip Rogers, clearly very passionate about the sport, very passionate about the lore of things as well. His promos, like I mentioned to you earlier, come across as very mid-south very nwa back in the day very much very old school yeah i love this old school mentality you know talking about money talking about influence these are simple things that he all should talk about and have you know put a bit of bass in your voice that's what pat McAfee does he comes out he talks about rich holland he talks about how you know what i'm sitting back i'm making money for the brand he's got on his t-shirt i'm a huge fan of pat McAfee. he knows what he's doing and he's passionate about it. And there's the big difference right there. He respects the fucking industry and the business that came before him. And he's willing to use that to his advantage. Danny Birch and Only Lorcan, I fucking adore those guys. But they're not promo guys. They're not. So Pat McAfee, in their corner, is a touch and a half. <laughs> Pat McAfee has the chance to build himself a legacy very akin to Paul Heyman's, actually, in many ways, with his ability to speak. And I'm sure that he will go from strength to strength. But I hope he's going to be a long-term asset because, wow, when you've got guys who can work the mic like this, that makes you on a par with every other product. You know, NXT is no longer, oh, this is just the little, you know, the pokey little program with Venomental Gang. No, this is fully-fledged TV audience show now. And NXT is still... From a financial and from a audience standpoint, the smallest, uh, shall we say, um, for, at least on the North American circuit, it's, it's the smallest entity still that WWE has behind SmackDown and Raw. You know, they put a lot yeah. more money and they have a lot more of an audience for SmackDown and Raw. And this show is still pretty much on a par with what AEW gets every week. I think that speaks volumes. It's really funny, actually, when the people who do want to compare, they want to talk all the time about how, shit, AW beat NXT. Yeah, NXT is running on a fraction of the budget that you are. 
It's quite embarrassing, actually. Um, it's not in the Thunderdome. You know, they're not blasting pyre everywhere. They haven't got ridiculously expensive, over-the-top fucking camera work like AEW has or anything like that. It's very evident to say, I'm sorry, but all you got to do is watch them to know. And yet they're still almost on par with you because of the quality of it, the quality of the rest of this. Champ's promo was fucking gold. But Pete Dunne returns. Peter? Peter? <laughs> Peter's back. He's jacked. Holy shit. Oh, he's um, sweet. He got big. Yeah, man. He is a, he is one big swall. And unlike the big swall of AEW, he is very, very good at what he does. <laughs> Just saying. And ultimately, um, he turns on Carl O'Reilly, who seems to be the only fit member of the Undisputed Era. Carl <laughs> 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 O'Reilly is the only man left. He gets turned on by Peter. And I don't know why we're all surprised. Pete Dunne has never smiled in his entire life. Pete Dunne will never smile until he is basically the Thanos of professional wrestling. Then he will afford himself one small creak of a smile from his whimsical British mouth. Pete Dunne is a very sombre individual. Pete Dunne is a very angry individual. And Pete Dunne has aligned himself with Pat McAfee, Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan. And do you know what? What's What's that line that William Regal likes to spout once a year? Oh, you mean uh, around around the Thanksgiving time? Uh, he likes to stand up on the roof. He's got the, the microphone in his hand. Oh, it's, it's, it's around the tip of my tongue. I know you love the impression, so I'm leaving it for you. Oh, well, he just looks at the uh, War Games! And we're like, yes, yeah. War Games. We're going to get <laughs> Undisputed Era again because they've been in every War Games. Even the one that was just like the three, three on three. Mm-hmm. Like the sorry, that was a really awkward way of saying it. Like the, the three, three man three team. on three. <laughs> yeah, that I don't know. Oh, the, the threes. <laughs> yeah, where what had the three teams of three is what I tried to say. You know, remember when Roderick Strong was part of the Authors of Pain for a night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he even had the gear. I thought you looked yeah. really good as well. Yeah, and now we're getting. Uh, then last year or the year before it was, uh, what was it? The Undisputed against you know it was Ricochet. It was Sullivan Dijak, Keith Lee, and KO. And... Oh, yeah, and... KO was the and... surprise, Wait. wasn't he? Oh, I popped my tits off for that. Uh, so did the arena. It was felt on the Richter scale, and it woke up a kaiju in somewhere in the Pacific Ocean, frankly. Um, yeah, th- that was huge. But we're get- we're going to be getting this War Games match, which is also, great. So we're getting continuity, mate. Do you oh, know that's why it. Dunn turned? Do you know why because Dunn turned? The... I disputed their return. Strong turned on him. Ah, the finals of the Dusty Classic. Joined the undisputed era. So why wouldn't he stab Kyle O'Reilly in the back and turn on the undisputed era? Fuck them. They left him at the altar in the tag team title division. So why shouldn't he? Great continuity. And if Pat McAfee mentions that, he will immediately ascend to godlike status on the mic because this is continuity. This is. Fucking storytelling, and it's great. And the little things as well. Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan applauding Pat McAfee every time he gives himself a pat on the back, which is just fucking phenomenal. Every time he said something good about himself, they were like, "Yeah, you're fucking great." And he's just like, he's talking about how it was brilliant. Even when he said, "Like, do you know what? Maybe I should have shared a couple more pounds in my debut, and I would have got that win over Adam Cole." And Danny Birch is like, "No, no, 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 no. You were fine. You did just fine. <laughs> great, great heel fare. Love it." Arseholes, bunch of arseholes. I fucking love them. Brilliant. They know their job. Pete Dunne, mate, is a fucking star. I mean, I'm even wearing his tee. I mean, come on. Bruiser weight. Fucking love me. 
some feed that I've been watching for hours, man. And I've had the pleasure of feeding him at least three times, I think. Did he smile? Uh, no, no, he didn't actually. Because mostly it was, uh, you know, if it was British strong style, so you know, Trent Seven is definitely the people guy. But uh, my favorite photos of you is that photo of you in the ring with him, and you're all just kind of standing there looking like some emo edge lord album cover. <laughs> was it? Was it all three? Like all three of them plus me? Because I think that was my first Destiny show ever. No, I think it's just Pete Dunn, and then there's a. I think it may be the owner of Destiny, and then it's you. Oh, no, that's, uh, that's my buddy Brandon. That's the only guy I have oh, in really? town. Oh, really? I thought he was the owner of Destiny. I was, um, no. I was like, cool. <laughs> no, that's the uh, my oh, that's only friend line. here in town. Love that. Yeah. I mean, I also got to step into a ring, which I've never really done before, and that was really, really cool. Just to, like, step through the ropes. Yeah, it's and, nice. uh, it, it was definitely cool. I was Every time – I still down. Every time I go to training, you know, I've had matches in front of audiences. I've been very privileged. And I tell you what – there are still times where I'll step thinking, I mean, just step through properly. You don't want to fall over. <laughs> it, does, it just stays with you. It does. There's a real awe about it. I don't think that ever leaves you if you're a real passionate fan of wrestling. Is that awe-inspiring moment, rolling under the bottom rope or stepping in for the second rope. It's a really cool feeling. But yeah, no, Pete Dunn aligning himself. This is fantastic. This is awesome. And do you know what? This was right in the middle of the show. <laughs> it wasn't even the closing of the show. Fucking amazing. Why, Pete? Why? I'll tell you why. Because Roderick Strong did it first. This is all Roderick Strong's fault. Fuck Fucking you, Roddy. God damn it, Roddy. One you job. You ruined it. You ruined it. Even your wife doesn't want to know. Trafir. That's why she's hanging around with Shane. Oh, wow. She's, she's, she hates you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, it's great. It's great stuff. Great <laughs> storytelling. Uh, you know, why did I knock out Undisputed Era? Duh. Money. <laughs> I love him. I love his promo. Pat McAfee talking about Rich Holland, about how he's like, do you know what? I rang up Rich Holland, asked him what kind of car do you want, Rich? I thought he'd want a, a big car because he's a big son bitch. And he says, I want a Mercedes. I went, no problem, Rich. All you got to do is take out the Undisputed Era. Simple as that. Boom. Storytelling. Incredible. Wow. How hard was that? Oh, it wasn't because these people are professional and are trained to do these things properly, not walk around with their hands in their pockets and be fucking goobers for the rest of their lives. It was... It was fucking awesome. Um, I know you haven't seen much of it, but Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis gave me an erection. Um, <laughs> it gave me a horror erection. This is a classic, because people will say, how come you love this, but you didn't like what AEW do with Orange Cat and blah, 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 because it was in the right position. It was put in the place where it belonged. By the way, William Regal turning on his Halloween voice was fantastic. Come here, Mr. Grimes. I've got a bed waiting for you outside, Mr. Grimes. Fucking terrifying. He just put his, you don't realise how big William Regal is. He's actually quite tall. And he's towering over Cameron Grimes, who ultimately isn't a huge man. He's just got his arm around him. He's like, I don't know what you're doing here. So he's like, oh, but Mr. Regal, there's a, there's a perfectly good ring out there for rest. He's like, no, Cameron, I've got a van outside. Waiting <laughs> like, fucking hell. Just get in the fucking van. <laughs> it's like he jumps in the van, out pops Michael P.S. Hayes in a cloud of smoke. I wonder what was going on in the back of that van. Hmm. By the way, <laughs> the only other people who can get away with doing that so well are the rascals, by the way, in the treehouse. Fantastic boys. I love you so much. By the way, we're going to dedicate... Do you know what? I'm making a rule from this point forward. We are going to dedicate our time that we used to spend 
whinging about AEW and their bullshit booking, we're going to spend more time now talking about Impact Wrestling. So I'll still do the individual uh, fun animated videos that you guys can check out because they did a review of Impact Wrestling this week from Short Johnny, from Short Johnny Bravo. And ultimately, we're going to spend more time on the State of Wrestling Address. That's our promise to you. Impact Wrestling, you have our attention. Impact Wrestling, you are there. <laughs> just what I'm saying. I'm just making that rule right now because why would I waste my time talking about a product that doesn't care about me? Or my fucking enjoyment as a you know a paying customer. Fuck is as simple as that. By the way, I will not be paying for well, yeah, because twenty pound to watch a show that you haven't bothered to build whatsoever, other than the main event, is laughable. Simple as. Uh, yeah, this was oh, this was great. This was absolutely fantastic. Cameron Grimes trying to strip down and get in the shower with a <laughs> zombie because he didn't realise it was a zombie is one of my favourite things of all time. He, he's brilliant. He's like, ah, ah, he's like constantly screaming, trying to get away from all these horrific elements. You know, it, it had a little bit of the thriller video. It had a little bit of, um, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There was a little bit of the shining in there, all these little nods, these very subtle little references to horror films, even though it was cheesy and funny and a bit carny, it still had so many great little storytelling elements. And he tries to get away from Dexter Lewis, who's just, you know, dark and he basically he's giving because he's a serial killer which i think is really amusing because you know wwe it's pg in it but not with um, dexter loomis and like he you know he finally shuts the door behind him and he's you know the, the showers on the go the curtains there you can see this like hot silhouette of a woman Cameron grimes just just like this turns he's pretty he's like oh i'm getting done i'm gonna Hey, how's it going, baby? What's going on? He's saying he's like, oh, I didn't realize Dexter Loomis had a sister. He starts slowly <laughs> taking his jacket off, and he's just swans, and then he pulls the curtain back, and there's like this evil contortionist zombie who's going to eat his flesh. He's like, it's fucking great, like psycho all over again, mate. Brilliant stuff. Loved it. It's just classic tropes. There's a reason these things work, and there's a reason why they still pop people to this day because they're fucking money. Horror films still make money doing this same shit today, man. You know, don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It was funny. It was entertaining. Dexter Loomis is just the right side of mental to make this work as well. Um, and then they have the to be continued with <laughs> the blood red. <laughs> and then they come back to the arena later after a couple of matches. Love that as well. Give them enough time to get back. Or to <laughs> just phenomenal and they brought the contortionist zombies into that too dexter lumis of course sort of goes over oh by the way at the end dexter lumis literally right he's kind of looking back and then he just turns to the camera like <gasps> like proper evil and it just goes dun, 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 the end <laughs> yes yes fun entertaining amusing and this was just a weekly show made up to look like a pay-per-view brilliant stuff I, halloween havoc in all its glory mate absolutely phenomenal I um I, I love Cameron Grimes as well. What great use. He gave the, uh, what does he call that amazing double stomp that he does? Oh, I have no uh, idea. Yeah. I, I it's got to be something that. moon related. It has to be. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but like he did it to one of the zombies, which I thought was hilarious. Like, you know, the zombie's like, I'm going to kill. Just imagine if fucking Rick Grimes did that in The Walking Dead. <laughs> Meteora. <laughs> fucking amazing. Loved it. If I really? saw Rick Grimes meteor a fucking zombie, I would never say anything about how bad season two was ever again. Season because that would just fucking fine. Leave season it's boring. Two. 
It's not boring. boring. It's not boring. It it's was. storytelling. It's creative. You wouldn't know anything about that because you're still sucking at the tea of the young bucks. Fucking, it was boring. Oh, Season two is right. I want it right. We're taking a poll right now. I want people to fucking comment below. I want people to send us messages. Season two of Walking Dead. It's is it good or is it not? We'll see what the fans think because I thought it was fine. Also, we got Sophia, mate. That moment when Sophia comes out as a zombie, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched, uh, mid-season, is fucking amazing. Particularly when she gets shot in the head straight afterwards as well. Fantastic stuff. Right in front of Carol. And also, it builds the story for Carol, who ultimately becomes the biggest badass in the entire fucking thing. I mean, she does. <laughs> she is a badass. What you are is an impatient Philistine. That's <laughs> what you wow. are. How dare you, sir? Yeah, exactly, exactly. By the way, season three of um, the uh, latest Star Trek uh, thing on Netflix. Something uh, worth watching. We'll just talk about Netflix now. For the next um, well, I mean, we shouldn't because there's still uh, some more fun things that happened in NXT that we should is. absolutely fucking talk about. There is. This should have been a main event. Did you see Drake Maverick backstage? As uh, I didn't, but uh, you told me about it. It's amazing. Great Mavericks backstage at Hollywood Hulk Hogan. He's trying to get Kenzie to, you know, he's calling her Mean Jean, which I thought was great. You know something, Mean Jean? <laughs> and she's just like, my name's not Jean. It's like, God's sake. And he's like, he breaks KB. He's like, Kenzie, just like go over. I'm trying to have a bit of fun here. It's Halloween. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. He's so good. He is amazing. I love Drake Maverick so much. And then he gets molested by a cosplay of the giant, aka Big Show from Halloween Havoc. I believe it's 95, might be 94, 95, the one with the monster truck. Um, and then the Yeti as well comes along and they're like proper doing the whole like bumming thing that they did. They're just like, Ugh. and Drake Mary's like, oh, oh, get up. It's so funny. Um, the Shockmaster arrives. It's Killian Dane. It's great fun. Really needs to be checked out. Really hilarious segment. Uh, there was a little bit of mid-card shenanigans as well. Legado del Fantasma. Mob boy Santos Escobar representing Dia de los Muertes this week. All the boys wearing the skull face paint for Day of the Dead. Loved it. Loved my Mexican traditions. Loved my Latin heritage. Went out there, gave uh, Jake Atlas a good whipping, courtesy of some shenanigans on the outside involving Raul Mendoza, who is suspiciously handsome. Nice looking man he is. Well, got, got, got some time for him. Do like a, a nice rugged Mexican man, has to be said. Like Andrade, he's a good looker as well. Very jealous of Charlotte Flint. She's bagged herself a good one there. Um, anyway, getting back from the uh, gay hour of WrestleClub. Um, yeah, decent enough match. Uh, I like Jake Atlas. I just don't feel like he's a star. You know? He's he's okay on the mic. Great in-ring worker. Just lacks that it factor, you know, that makes him stand out. What do you think? Do you like Jake Atlas? I mean, other than NXT, I don't really know anything else about him, honestly. Like, I enjoy his work. I think, yeah, I think he's a good wrestler, but I just, I don't know enough about him yet to actually be able to form an opinion. Because again, I've said it a hundred times on the show and I'll say it again. I can't watch NXT live since they went to the USA Network. Yeah, I can't so, either. Curious about so that. I have, I have to wait until I think it goes up on the network the next day or the cable provider up here in Canada shows well, yeah, it well, just before... <laughs> oh shit! Really? Yeah, I think it might be even more than that. Yeah. Fuck me, but uh, my uh, cable provider NXT also. <laughs> yeah, my cable provider also shows, apparently shows NXT uh, before SmackDown on Fridays. I didn't know that, so that's cool. Between six and eight PM, I can catch up on NXT on Fridays. So that's always good to know. But like, I want to watch NXT more regularly because its competitor has been boring me enough to slip my wrist vertically. So. 
I, I'm really excited to see this Jake Atlas guy. He seems pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, even their smaller guys, the guys that are working from underneath are fantastic. You know what I love about NXT? Because it's just the two hours a week. It means that, you know, like there was no Bronson Reed here. You know, there was no um, uh, uh, Swerve, who's fantastic. I love that guy. So good. Isaiah Swerve's got so good. So many talents that could be considered big stars, big names. You know, there was no champion. There was no Finn Balor. There was no Karrion Cross. you know, whether it be injury or whatever. And yet, you know, they still have all these fucking stars out there. It's, it just shows you how strong this product is. I, I, I'm honestly running out of hyperbole to describe how good NXT is. Now, everybody knows I have a meaty hoss erection. Um, I love hosses. I love meaty, battling wrestlers. I like big fucking pauses. I want Kong versus Godzilla. God damn it. I like my meaty fucking wrestlers because ultimately it does feel like it's very much a smaller wrestler's world. Um, but very rarely do I get the opportunity to get all steamy and hot under the collar about meaty hoss in the women's division. Oh, Suchu, sir. Oh, going to get a bit of Raquel Gonzalez. Six foot tall, sir. Massive. Mexican. Powerhouse. From Texas, sir. Oh, Suchu, sir. Rhea Ripley. Massive megastar. Oh, Suchu, sir. Saucy. Can't fucking wait. These two battered each other, mate. I was like, oh, fucking you. Go on, ladies. Fucking great stuff. Just became a massive pervert during this match. Uh, not in the way you would think, either. Just fucking love it. Man, Rhea Ripley's entrance every time it gets me. That fucking stop. That foot goes down. I'm like, oh, that's a fucking, that's how a starlet. That's how a fucking, that's how you book women's wrestling. Fuck you, Tony Khan. I just want to grab Tony Khan's face and just hammer it into the floor until he realizes this is how you do women's wrestling. Fucking great. Raquel Gonzalez was what? Dakota Kai's heavy, you know, for about, not even what, three, four months ago? You know, not really. I think it was like two months, maybe. Like, it's been almost no time. Just like that megastar in the ring with Rhea Ripley, who, by the way, everybody she wrestles elevates. She is fucking great. She's fucking gorgeous. She's a world-class in-ring worker. She's a tank. Her look, her presentation, she looks like a million dollars. Stick her up on the stock exchange because she guaranteed money, bro. Absolutely amazing. And Raka Gonzalez... Very excited for her. Really like her. And really underappreciated in a lot of different ways. I love this match. Super physical. Rhea Ripley gets the win, which is good because I feel like she hasn't had a decent high-profile win for a while. They really kind of lost their way ever since she dropped the NXT Championship at WrestleMania to Charlotte Flair. That wasn't necessarily a bad thing, but they didn't capitalize on Rhea Ripley's popularity coming out of that. And she's just kind of flattered to the sea. She's been flown around. She's been in no more contender opportunities to Kaino beat her as well. <sighs> They've even had, you know, this thing. This was the idea of this was this is the battle of, you know, who's the big who's the big kind of unit? I don't want to say the big dog. I, was, I thought that's what you were gonna say. Who's that? No, I stopped myself. I thought, no, no. <laughs> because ultimately these women are both scintillating in every sense, I assure you. Um yeah, no, this was all about who's the meaty hoss of the women's division. Brilliant stuff. It was, I love it. At the beginning, they're squaring up to each other. They're just yelling at each other. Like, this is my fucking house. I fucking run this division. It's like, oh, yeah, fucking kill each other. I'm oh, sorry. I'm <laughs> just getting excited. Investment. Can you hear the excitement in my voice? Can you see from my over-animated likeness? It is because I am invested in the product 
that they are giving me and the wrestlers care about it instead of fucking marking themselves out and trying to get a quick hand job from old Tuna Meltzer just so it makes them look cool in the latest PWI 500 or whatever stupid fucking BuzzFeed article they do. They're not interested in fucking marking themselves out and popping the boys and the girls backstage. They're interested in being the fucking best in the world. That's why Tommaso Ciampa is a fucking beast. He cut a promo talking about what happened to the NXT I know. His promo was brilliant. He sat in the dark. He sat about, do you know what? This isn't the NXT I remember. It's the same people. It's the same kind of things. But and he, there's this line, this brilliant line, where literally all he does, he says, do you know what? You know, when I'm, <laughs> he says, if you're hungrier, you eat. But if, he says, oh no, he says, if you're hungry, you eat. But if I'm hungrier, then I eat first. You know, it's that kind of thing. Like, oh. easy, raw, animalistic aggression. Your promos don't have to be convoluted. You don't have to have these dumb, extenuating circumstances. Is he a heel? Is he not? Oh, he's got so many layers. You don't always have to have that. If you can do it and you can do it well, fine. You don't always have to have it. Great promo. Absolutely great. And, you know, the thing that really caps off this show, of course, is... In the main event, in a tables, ladders, and scares match. <laughs> Very good. Very good. We see what you did there. Foxy Blackheart, who, by the way, in a bodysuit. Blimey. Um, Shotzi Blackheart, of course, playing the kind of the host or the hostess, shall we say, of, um, of this uh, wonderful show. Uh, spins the wheel, makes the deal, and this match is a tables, ladders, and scares match. Io Shirai defending her title successfully against Candice LeRae, who I'm pretty sure is now dead, courtesy of the world's worst ladder bump at the end of this match. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, like, I've got bad knees in real life, so seeing shit like that just, uh-huh. it just, it messes me up. I, like, you had pointed this out before we started recording, because I do tend to forget but uh, Candice LeRae's done some intense shit. Like, she's not some, like, Barbie doll that can't take a hit and she's made a glass. She made a career off in, like, fucking death matches and tag team death matches. Like, I've seen pictures of her her face just covered in more blood than Eddie Guerrero at Judgment Day. Okay? So, I mean, it still sucks to see because, ow. But, Jesus Christ, man. Like, that bump was gnarly. But this match, I've seen a lot of clips from this. This is definitely the match I was interested in most other than the opener. So I have tried to see as much of it as I can. And these two just work so, so well together. Like they've had a lot of matches before. I think, you know, when can when they were both faced and then EO turned heel first in the cage and then they wrestled a bit there. And now we have the inverse where EO's the face now. And it's just, they work so well together. I'm not sure what else they can do now. Cause I think EO's beaten Candace decisively. Mm. I don't yeah. know if they could do another match. Cause it would just seem like, well, I keep trying. that's what I'm getting the impression of. I mean, I, I don't mind that. I, I think that would be extremely fun. And well, I would like that a lot. Next week on NXT, by the way, the show will also have Tommaso Ciampa versus Velveteen Dream in what I'm sure will be the continued execution of Velveteen Dream. <laughs> Yeah, I, he's now become the Lana. The... He's become the Lana of NXT. Every week he gets fucking dicked on by something. <laughs> kind of funny. Well, I mean, shit, yeah, Lana went through the table again after winning the match to be on the Women's Survivor Series team. Which, by what? the way, oh, we'll, we'll 
Have you not seen Raw yet? No, I still haven't watched Raw. Sorry. Okay. But and I so, love Raw too. I need to see the Alexa Bliss stuff before I watch so else. I'll break it down real quick just while we're here because we brought it up. Um, all the men had to have matches to qualify for the Survivor Series team. But Adam Pierce for the women's, like, the two tag champs will go. So Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, fine. Um, Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, just because they wanted to, fine. I don't know. The last spot, that's what you had to fight for. Lana wins by some fluke shit. And then Nia's like, come here, yeah. It's in a fatal four-way. So it was uh, Lana, Peyton Royce, Lacey Evans, and... There's one more. I don't remember who it was, unfortunately. Please don't say Naomi. <laughs> I, I don't think it was Naomi. It could have been. But I, I, it might have been Tamina. That would make the most sense, but it doesn't really matter either way because Lana wins and then Nia Jax is like, yeah, you win. Give me a hug. And then she gives her a hug and then picks her up and puts her through the table. <laughs> she. I hope she does it during the Survivor Series, man. Oh, I'll just eliminates her immediately? Like, just you like, know what? You're shit. You're rubbish. I'm just going to put you through the table now and save us the hassle and she gets counted out. I think that'd be hilarious. No, then she's no. What they'll do, because I, from what I hear, they want to build Lana up to this huge baby face. They'll just keep her on the outside the whole match and then she'll come in and somehow win and be the sole survivor. Can you oh, imagine? Can yeah. you, oh my God. I don't know who's going to represent SmackDown. I assume they're making that decision this evening, but. Um, yeah, I haven't no. seen anything yet, but... No idea. I, I will catch up on more. I'll probably sit down and watch it tomorrow when I've got some time uh, behind me. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought, by the way, Candice LeRae, Io Shirai, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. I love... I'm, I'm kind of, Sorry, Johnny, don't don't hurt me, but I'm kind of in love with your wife. <laughs> I am... Um, she's so good. And do you know what I love about her? She breaks a lot of the stereotypes because, like people, like you say, a lot of people probably look at her and think she's a bit of a Barbie doll, you know? Um, but she comes out. I love the Poison Pixie stuff. By the way, her and Johnny Gargano, unsurprisingly, absolutely on point with the cosplay, the, um, the kind of, you know, the, the great kind of Halloween costume effects. Also, Wade Barrett and Waldo was good fun as well. I really appreciated that. Um, it was just, it was just great. It was fantastic. And, Candice LeRae just has gone from being, you know, a good women's wrestler and a good women's hand to being genuinely one of the best women's wrestlers in the company right now. And I love that. I think she's beautiful. She's got such an amazing look about her. It's a real great vibe. I love the way, I love the little hand motions that she does where she's got the kind of pixie thing going on at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Stuff like it's just a poison pixie. And it all works so well. And do you know what? Once again, it's not, convoluted it's not ridiculously heavy there's not you know they don't try too hard they know what they're good at they know what makes them special and they just they just bring it and this show brought it the passion the energy the fire in the audience geez the audience were losing their fucking mind but honestly it felt like it was in an arena of ten thousand people because the energy in there was just wild the best arena for wrestling right now in the world, but in my opinion, that you know is obviously having to kind of restrict things because of COVID and whatnot. It's got the best quality wrestlers, the best storylines, the uh, the best gimmicks. Even you know, if you're going to be stupid and throw out loads of gimmicks, you got to do it this way. Halloween have it, man. I even got my goddamn pumpkin. This was a wonderful show. I'm just gonna start. I'm just gonna say. I'm gonna start illegally streaming. NXT allegedly. I'll throw that in there so I don't get sued. <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna start streaming it every Wednesday. I, I've got to find a way of watching it live. 
because it's just so good. I, I'm, I'm wasting my time watching AEW Live, man. NXT, that's where the money's at. NXT and Impact, mate. Best two shows going at the moment. Yeah, we're, uh, like you've already said, we're definitely going to get some more Impact out. Uh, you know, Ethan Page liked our tweet about uh, the Impact view, and he is... He even mentioned WrestlePlug on his Twitch stream. Did he? Yes, he did. Yes, That's he did. fucking huge, I be- dude. I believe the good the good legend that his nails uh, mentioned it and said, oh, um, you know, WrestlePlug, she's... Uh, it's funny how interested people are when all of a sudden you start catering to their favorite egomaniac. World-class <laughs> egomaniac. I want the royalties for that T-shirt. God damn it. I'm going to make it. Um, yeah, no, it, it's just, you know what? Fuck it. People always say, don't they? If you don't like something, don't watch it. Don't talk about it. Okay, well, I don't really like AEW at the moment. So let's not fucking bother talking about it. Let's fucking talk about the things that are good. Let's make more time for Impact Wrestling. Let's make more time for some of the great rivalries that are, you know, really starting to flourish on Raw and SmackDown. And most definitely, let's make more time to talk about how great NXT is. Because for me, it's the best thing going today. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely wow. it is. Sorry, Sasha Banks showed up on my screen on SmackDown. I got Fuck distracted sake. for a moment. The first ometer. <laughs> I think it's deep. broken. Yeah, she's, she's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Been quite pervy this podcast, isn't it? Actually, I feel like I feel a bit dirty. I feel like I need to have a show. Anything you'd like to add about NXT and AEW, sir? No, just you know the fact that I've I have said this before too. The reason I think you get so worked up about AEW is that you loved it so much, like you spent two grand I to come over here and see it. Wrestling everywhere, exactly. But and you're extremely passionate about it, and it's just feeding us dog shit. That's yeah. that hurts. That hurts us as wrestling fans because we want all wrestling to be good. As cat, even as hardcore fans, as Marks or Marks, or whatever the fuck you want to call us, we don't give a shit about ratings. I'm sorry, we don't. We just want all wrestling to be good. And this wet past Wednesday, I'm pretty sure if you add the numbers up, it's close to 1.5 million people watching wrestling on a Wednesday night. Like. You can't ask for more than that. That's incredible. It doesn't matter if one's good or, or sorry, it doesn't matter what one's better, air quotes. The fact is people are watching. Wrestling is never going to be as popular as it was in the 90s. I firmly believe that. It is an incredibly niche hobby or whatever you'd like to call it. But you still get 1.5 million people watching it on a Wednesday. That's. I think it could be more. I do believe it could be more. It, it probably could. That being said, I think NXT does everything in its power to make itself one of the best wrestling products you could ever watch right now. And, you know, they don't seem to be able to shift off the seven or 800,000. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of the AEW fans just watch because they're stubborn and they want to believe that AEW is this morally superior, more ethically, you know, superior product. They, They feel like they're on this pedestal. They feel like it's high ground and I disagree. I thoroughly disagree. Sorry, I do. And I'm, I'm honestly, as soon as I start talking about, as soon as I start talking about women's wrestling, when it comes to AEW, I get really angry. And I, I find it amazing that anyone can have the nerve to sit and tell me that they give a shit about women's wrestling because they don't. And ultimately, that should be one of the real big benchmarks that you use to decide whether a company is worth your time and money or not. 
I mean, women's wrestling has come so far. This, I'm just going to reference again, you know, the Attitude Era. Women's matches weren't a thing. You, you, had, you did have some incredible workers. You know, Trish Stratus came in as eye candy, and she was the best type of candy. She still it's is. She's a Jack woman. What a woman. Yeah. Like, but she Love came in as Jack, eye candy, man. but then she eventually worked her ass off and became one of the best performers of the early 2000s. We had women like Victoria. We had Gail Kim. We had Jazz. We had, like you say, Jacqueline. Um, who else was in there? think that was probably about it for wwe for like incredible women's performers but then you look over at tna at the same time their knockout division has always been fantastic you know the beautiful people when gail kim eventually got over there uh, odb was always fun awesome kong just destroyed stuff hell or her odb and eric young were knockouts tag team champions let's never forget that gender equality that's it and women and eric now, young was one half of the women's tag team champion. <laughs> and on the very same show this week, I can't believe I didn't mention this, on the very same show this week that announced the return of the knockout tag team championships, Eric Young was trying to murder Rich Swan in a rematch for the world title. Things have changed for Eric Young. I would love to know what medication he has been switched from because things have very much changed a lot. Uh, long gone are the days of the man who was scared of his own pyro in Team Canada. <laughs> uh, those were the days. By the way, if you haven't watched Impact yet, please watch it. Who do you think shot Johnny Bravo while I've got you here, actually? Oh, see, that's a good question. See, Fadabar's tweet that I pointed out, and then Fadabar got annoyed with me on Twitter about it. Yeah. I love his dedication to it. He said, I do not appreciate these accusations, these false accusations. Because <laughs> um, he, he opened... At the beginning of the show, right, uh, Rich Swan and Eric Young have this massive collision end up having a world title match right at the beginning of the show. And Falabar quote tweets that and bah, says... Bah, yeah, bah. He, he quotes, tweets it and says, Stein out the show with a bang with two gunshot emojis. Oh, really? And I was like, motherfucker, it's you! And he's probably doing it just to swerve the audience. A lot of people apparently um, nails things havoc shot uh, thing. There was definitely some sort of... De- a, a lot of the consensus is it was an inside job and Rosemary actually wanted Johnny Bravo punished in some way or wanted to get him over to the undead realm or whatever reason and that's why he's been shot and I, I thought... More James Mitchell, by the way. He was fucking fantastic. My money right now, I've got... I've got a sus- I'm, I find Falabar very suspicious. I've got my eye on him and it's not hard to follow him around. He's a big boy. Um, I'm he is a big boy. I am very much keeping an eye on you. I'm also quite keen. You know, Hernandez comes out on Twitter right, and says, no, I ain't got nothing to do with me, bro. It's like, yeah, come on, mate. You've got a guilty look. Reno scum. They're called Reno scum for a reason. You're up to no good. I reckon there are working parts here. I don't think it's one individual. Um, ultimately, I think... The it's aces work. and eights. What do you reckon? Swoggle? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Hornswoggle did it. Little, little swoggle. Have you seen this segment? Have you actually seen it? Uh, no, because it's well, it's like a wedding, and weddings never turned out well anyway. That's not fair. We've got that's the by the way, the the way it was done, right? From a completely like non cave standpoint, uh, every time they did something, they would stop and pause and look around ex- because they know that these segments are hilariously regarded for interruptions. Um, and it's brilliant. Like James Mitchell goes, 
you know, if anybody does object to this wedding, please forever hold your peace. And he goes, huh, yes, you missed that trope. <laughs> <laughs> Little things like that are brilliant. Man, James Mitchell, I would I would pay an extortionate amount of money to have you on this podcast, sir. What a mind for wrestling. What an incredible human being. I love James Mitchell, and he's still gold. Yeah, I find it hard to believe someone like James Mitchell has not found his way onto, like, the biggest screens, you know? Uh, James Mitchell is the kind of guy I would love to see in films, actually. He's just got such a presence back. But we're talking about murder here, mate. Somebody has been murdered, allegedly. Well, I was going to say, did he actually die, or is it just, uh, oh, he you know, he's been... shot wounds in the chest, and he was laying there bleeding out, so, you know. Why is it uh, I do find it very to... alarming that literally no EMTs or medical personnel hit the ring at any point, but Tommy Dreamer just let it happen to just go, no! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's gold. It's fucking gold. And you know what I love about it? It's everyone talking about your product. Because what are wrestling fans now going to do? Even if they think it's stupid. Oh, by the way, this was better than the dinner debonair. I said it. I fucking said it. This was better. Much better. I loved it. So, so entertaining. But yeah, um, right now, you got to think Havoc, Balabar, Reno Scum, Hernandez, top suspects. A lot of people aren't looking at the bride, Rosemary, but she's got a cheeky little look on her face. And if you go back and look at the photos, because obviously we're done smarts and marks and we need to fucking analyse these things. I've looked at the photos and she doesn't look that upset. If anything, she looks slightly aroused at the idea of a corpse at her feet. Um, which you would do. Um, by the way, Rosemary is really hot. I want her to drag me into the undead realm and do unspeakable things. I mean, um, yeah. Not going to apologise for that. Not going to apologise for that. Anyway, we haven't got long to live, so you may as well shoot your shot. Or call your shot if you're right. I mean, he's just got to get his brother, his bro a job. That's, a, that's all we really need from that. Yeah. So, yeah, um, do you know what? Let us know who you think shot Johnny Bravo. Leave in the comments below. Uh, but make sure you like, subscribe, and all that jazz. Carl Wilkinson, thank you very much for joining me for the State of Wrestling Address. Oh, pleasure uh, as always, man, especially because I'm really excited we're going to get some more impact coverage. I've been singing their praises for probably the past year or so since I've started going to Destiny all the time because they have a lot of uh, impact stars there. I've been to a few impact tapings. Well, I spent a weekend in our version of Windsor because we have a Windsor over here too. Yes, obviously. you do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, probably doesn't smell nearly as bad as our version, which is, Windsor's supposed to be really good, you know, it's supposed to be really posh, Windsor cars and whatever. It's really not. It's right next to Slough, which is a fucking toilet. Oh, I'm pretty sure we my also My two have... little sisters live in Slough as well, so my apologies if you ever bother watching this <laughs> YouTube, but you know you live in a shit hole. Come on. I'm pretty sure we, uh, she also has a the queen also has a castle over here in Windsor. I think I'm not going to quote that, but I think there's one over here too. I mean, we do still technically do own Canada, so you know. Yeah, I mean, remember we just asked nicely to leave, and you're like, yeah, we don't want to fucking start a freaking revolution over it, did you? No, we're like, no, we'll just ask real nice, so uh, we don't hurt. Such anybody. a Canadian way of doing things. Americans, <laughs> they got out their guns and started a war. Canada, hey, you mind if uh, you mind if we have our independency? And we're like, you know what? Why not? Because we're gentlemen at the end of the day. We're decent human beings. Yeah, and then Americans like to forget this, but uh, we did burn down the White House in the War of 1812. No big deal. I mean, Guy Fawkes, I mean, our whole fucking fireworks night is based on the idea that Guy Fawkes tried to blow up the Houses of Parliament. 
Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to State of Wrestling Now piss off and do something useful with your lives. Bye.